many of you remember in television and Atari, uh, <laughs> Nintendo, all those things that uh, really were the first part of uh, video games? Actually, I think Pong was the very yeah. first that you could play even on black and white <coughs> TV with a, a controller. Uh, well, I had a next-door neighbor who got all the new stuff first. And, in fact, some of it I never got. I just had to envy what he had. But he, if I ever wanted to play a video game, I could just go right next door to Ben Long's house and uh, just hang out with him and play some great video. But he was always much better than me. And I remember the first game was uh, one of those racetrack games, and I just couldn't ever seem to go in the right direction. I'd always crash and run into something. But there was uh, one particular game that I, I really loved, and I think it came out um, with, um, on the uh, television first, and it was called Pitfalls. Anybody remember Pitfall? Uh, I know there are some versions of it now, and this was not my uh, actual screen on there. But one of the things that you do with Pitfall is that you're, it's like you're running through this jungle, and uh, Clay, correct me if I'm wrong, I learned that Clay is, has been at least, a professional gamer. And that doesn't mean he, he uh, hangs out at the casino. Um, but a professional gamer in the sense of the video games and all that. So you, Clay, you can tell us probably more about this. But as you can see here, um, this guy is running through whoever it is with red hair. Uh, and you see the uh, crocodiles or the alligators that are out there in the water. And in different parts of this game, you... I guess you could run right across those, but you'd have to be really careful. Uh, and I would always jump on top of one, thinking I could make it all the way across, but all of a sudden, you know, I would be eaten by the alligator. And in different parts of that game, I could never, ever get past that. Uh, I would see that there would be a passageway, and then the next thing I knew, that passageway or those stepping stones turned into sudden death for me. Uh, it was a good lesson for me to learn uh, about the importance of stepping in the right places. And I think that's what Jesus is reminding us of in the text that we've been looking at throughout the last several weeks if we've, as we have been in this season of Lent. We have considered the five different steps or five different Sundays of Lent. And for each one of these, we've looked at a particular word. And on the first one... It is the step of preparation. We walked with Jesus out of his baptismal waters in the Jordan River. And we went into the wilderness with Jesus where he was tempted. He was out there 40 days and 40 nights. And as he was there, he was uh, tempted to do all kinds of things. And we find out from Mark's gospel as we looked at on that Sunday uh, about the strength of preparation for Jesus. But then we talked about orientation. That Jesus called disciples to come and to follow Him. And He gave them an orientation for the job that they were getting ready to do. And so uh, we talked about our need for uh, orientation. And does anybody remember what that was? To uh, deny yourself, take up your cross... And to follow Jesus. Those are the, the three parts, the, the three sections of the orientation that Jesus gave the disciples that apply to us. And so last week we talked about application of how Jesus took the, the words and, and the passion that God had given to him. And he applied them 
wherever he was, whoever he was talking with, whatever situation presented itself in front of him, Jesus applied the gospel in that setting. And the way we looked at last week is how he overturned the tables. Uh, or how he went after the predatory lenders of types uh, in the uh, temple that were really keeping people away from God, not drawing people to him. But this day, today, we talk about one of the most important parts of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is salvation. It is something that we are stepping into. Uh, we are encouraged and invited by God to receive what God has given to us. And so uh, I want to give you some ideas today from this particular part of John's third chapter, which is, by the way, probably the most popular or at least most well-known, especially verse 16. And so I want to invite you to look with me in your, your Bible. There's a, a Bible in the pew rack that's there in front of you, the, the brown book that is there. And if you'll look in the New Testament over on page 71 and 72, you'll find John's Gospel. And I know that you know verse 16. At least I hope you do. But you may not always remember the context and what's going on in this particular passage. But it is here that Jesus helps us understand what salvation is all about. He just makes it really simple which I think is one of the reasons that we quote John 3.16 so much. But in this text, we understand that salvation and stepping into our salvation involves seeing the remedy that God has given for what ails us. It is seeing what it is that actually uh, requires our salvation. Whenever somebody uh, comes to me, if I'm uh, out somewhere... And this doesn't happen as much anymore. In fact, I used to do this as well. But take a gospel tract. Somebody will take a tract and hand it to you. And they will uh, give you a certain spiel about, um, do you know, if you were to die today, that you're going to heaven? That always kind of scared me. Like, do you know something? I don't know. Uh, what's going to happen this afternoon or whatever? But, you know, that question of, of presenting the gospel to someone and... Uh, they would say, do you know if you're saved? And of course, uh, I remember one time I was in seminary and uh, I was just trying to be cute. And um, Of course, in seminary, you think you know all of the answers. And so I, I just said, well, saved from what? And it just totally threw the person off. I mean, the person just crumbled, couldn't answer the question. Uh, they talked about sin, but didn't really understand what Jesus was doing to save me. From that sin. And I think we are that way so much of the time as well. We don't understand always what is meant by salvation. What are you saved from? Well, Jesus wants us to see that remedy that He has given to us. But before we do that, we have to understand what it is that ails us. Um, in Numbers, the uh, scripture that Bonnie read earlier, uh, you see what is behind going, what's going on with this picture. By the way, isn't that a spectacular beard? <laughs> uh, the, uh, Moses is out there, and there are just some terrible things that are going on. It's one of those passages we just kind of scratch our head and go, what? God sent these serpents uh, out there to uh, bite these uh, whiny Hebrew people, because they were really going against God and they were impatient and causing all kinds of troubles. And so God sends these serpents 
uh, to bite them. But then he sends this uh, idea to Moses about, well, Moses, those people who are getting bitten, if, if you will take uh, a pole and you'll put a snake or you'll make a snake out of bronze, put it on the pole. And by the way, you can see one of these if you go to your doctor's office. You can see the, uh, the symbol that still exists for that. But he says, put that on the pole because whenever somebody looks up at that pole and they see that serpent, then they will be healed. Whatever the snake has done to them, they will be healed. And there is a lot that we can do with that in terms of what Jesus has to say about it. But the main thing I want you to see here today is that that became a symbol for them of salvation. Jesus talks about it here in the third chapter of John. If you look here in chapter 3 in verse 14, Jesus says, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Jesus was referring to Himself. He was talking about this lifting up that was going to happen. And whether or not you believe Jesus understood all of the details of what was going to happen to Him in Jerusalem or not, it is significant to consider what Jesus does know about Himself and what He does know about what needs to happen. We talked about this a little bit in our care group here on Wednesday night. Why did, why did God either allow this to happen to Jesus or why did God cause it to happen to Jesus? It's an interesting question and one that uh, would be good for you to consider as we get closer to uh, looking at Christ at Calvary. But I hope that today you will uh, take the opportunity to see what God has done in lifting up Jesus Christ so that we could all see and we could all understand our need for healing and our need for salvation, our need to be able to see our Savior. What is it that ails you? What is it that causes you to need salvation in your life? We all feel that in different ways. We all experience it in different ways. I was thinking just this uh, past weekend um, about that. Uh, it's a great African-American hymn. There is a bomb in Gilead. I used to think, there's a bomb yeah. in Gilead? Why is there a bomb in Gilead? And do they know? And where is Gilead? And where is Gilead? <laughs> well, in East Texas, Gilead just down the road. So I just thought, <laughs> that's dangerous. I'm not sure I want to go to Gilead. But there is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. If you can pray like Peter, if you can preach like Paul, go home and tell your loved ones, He died to save us all. There is power in recognizing what God does to heal us through Jesus. And, and as we think about that healing power, uh, and if, we, if you go back and look at, at what the balm in Gilead is all about and the medicinal qualities of this flowering plant and what they provided for people and, and how people came to understand the healing power of Jesus, then we can understand our need for healing. Do you have a wounded soul? We all do, don't we? We, 
we recognize our imperfections, or at least I, I hope we all do, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, that we have all gone our different directions, and we have strayed away from the things that God has given us to do in life. And yet God is so graceful and so merciful. But we need to acknowledge our sickness, don't we? We need to acknowledge that we, just like those Hebrew people, are very whiny at times. And we don't like to hear the whining of other people. But just imagine what it's like to be God and the whining that we do in our world. Have you recognized your need for salvation? If you're a part of a 12-step group or if you've uh, been around people who are, you know the first step. You need to admit that you have a problem. You admit that you're an alcoholic or you admit that you are addicted to drugs. And what we need to say today is, God, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I have need of salvation in my life. And that means that we no longer look for salvation in the wrong places. How many times have we all looked in the wrong places? Sometimes we try to find our sense of fulfillment and to become whole. By the way, that's a, uh, a way of looking at salvation. It is finding uh, that whole sense of who we are, who God has made us to be. And without God, we are uh, wandering around without wholeness in our lives. But we try to become whole in different ways. It may come through the abuse of alcohol. It may come through uh, leaning on and depending on a particular drug or a relationship. Or maybe it's our work. Or maybe it is our religion. Maybe it's our good works. And we try to fill a hole in us that only God can fill. And we need to look there where God has provided for us. We need to look in that right place. And this morning, uh, I want to encourage you to, to look to Jesus Christ. And I imagine that's why you're here today. You find strength and help and salvation in Christ. I love this particular painting. As you can see, Christ lifted up and the people who are looking. And I hope you'll see yourself in that picture, because that's what we are encouraged to do as we move ahead toward Easter. And as we consider in the midst of Holy Week, all the things that Christ went through, that we would see ourselves there looking at Christ hanging on the cross. But stepping into our salvation is also about understanding the remedy that God has given us in Jesus Christ is God's gift to us. And to us all, not just for us as individuals. If you look at verse 16, and let's read this together. If you look on page 71 there in your New Testament. If you memorized this in vacation Bible school or Sunday school when you were younger, uh, you probably did so in the King James Version. Uh, this Bible is the New Revised Standard Version, so it's a little bit different maybe than how you remember it. But if, uh, if let's read this together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that whoever believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that a great verse? For God, Jesus says, 
This God that you have heard about all of your life, this God that you have worshipped in the temple, this God that has been a part of your upbringing as your parents taught you about God, this God loves the world. Now, most of them, like most of us today, were not thinking in those terms. God was an angry God who was out to get us and out to punish us and out to send serpents to us when we goofed up or when we won. Jesus says that is not the correct and accurate picture of God. Jesus says God so loved the world. The entire world, not just the Hebrew people, not just what would become Israel, not just Christians, God so loved the world, everybody in the world, ever, that He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes, whoever looks up at Him, whoever believes in Him, or commits their lives to Him, trusts Him, or receives Him, will not perish. Will not have a kind of life that is completely fragmented and self-destructing. But would have life to the full, as Jesus would say. Have abundant life. Life that is overflowing with God's kind of life. And would have that always. Eternal life. Jesus said, it's about understanding. Not just seeing it, but understanding what that is. It's a gift. I remember when I was uh, a youngster, and I still have pretty vivid memories about this. Uh, One time I was sick, and my mother, uh, I don't think she believed me, uh, because I did the Ferris Bueller thing as much as I could at that age, and feigned my illness so that I didn't have to go to school. But she, I guess, thought she was going to cure that. So she threw me. I remember we had this old Chevy Blazer. And she threw me in there. Uh, I mean, not like threw me. But she escorted me on into the Blazer. And we went down the street. Went to the doctor's office. And I remember, uh, as soon as we got there, I knew what was up. And uh, she got out of the car. And she noticed that uh, I wasn't getting out of the car. So she came around and uh, tried to get me out. And I, you know, hid down in the back behind the seat. And she reached in to grab me and I moved to the other side. So she goes around. Uh, my mom was a, a short, short little lady. And uh, yet she was pretty feisty. She could, she could catch me if she wanted to. But she came around the side and tried to get me on that side. Finally, after a lot of ducking and chasing, she uh, grabbed me by the scruff of the neck. And into the doctor we went. And she kept saying, I don't understand why you don't want to go into the doctor. You're sick. And they're going to do something for you that's going to make you well. You know, uh, it's going to help you. And so uh, as we sat there uh, and uh, as they were uh, having people come into the lobby and go up to the nurse's station to check in, uh, I kept hearing uh, a name that uh, reminded me why I was so scared. It wasn't just the needles and it wasn't just um, the, you know, when they prick your finger, all that stuff. I just hate it. Still hate it. But it was the fact that I kept hearing the nurse say to people who were checking in, are you here for Dr. Payne? (laughs) 
His name was spelled P-A-Y-N-E. But all I was hearing and all I had heard up to that point in my life was Dr. Payne. There was some chance that my doctor, Dr. Brown, was not going to be in and I would have to go see Dr. Payne. And I wanted no part of that. I had no understanding that that doctor was there to heal me. And that that healing was a gift to me. I could become well because of what Dr. Payne would do. We need to see and understand that God is good. That God wants to provide us with salvation and to make us whole. And that that is a gift. Maybe you're not so good in receiving gifts. People want to do something for you and you say, no, no, I'd just rather you not. I don't, I really don't want to receive. I want to be a giver. I don't, I don't want to take from someone else or you don't feel worthy to receive a gift. And I find in my conversations with people that that is probably the number one thing that keeps people from living in the fullness of their salvation is because they don't feel they are worthy of the gift. Or they feel like they have to work to receive it. You have to come to church enough. You have to make a certain kind of offering. Or you have to become a particular part of a denomination. There's control that is there. Or that you uh, have to be perfect in order for God to bless you. But that's not what Jesus says. It's a gift. It's there for us to accept or to push away. So may we all become receivers of the gift that God has given to us. And may we show that we are receiving it by using it and by allowing God's salvation to impact our lives and our relationships and all the things that we're doing in life. Well, finally, stepping into salvation... Uh, is really about understanding this remedy as light on the pathway ahead. I love the song that Bill picked for this morning, I Saw the Light. I hope that will stay in your head all week long. If not, call Bill and he'll sing (laughs) sing it for you or play it for you. I saw the light. That's what Jesus was talking about. If you look here, uh, throughout verses 19 down through 21. You'll, you'll see where Jesus is saying that this light is shining. And of course, He says, I am the light of the world. But this light is shining in the world. And some choose to accept that light. Some choose to see the light and walk in the pathway of the light. But others choose not to. And their choice is really a judgment on themselves because they are keeping their lives from wholeness and from salvation, being complete. And they're walking a destructive path. Jesus says, see it as light and come into the light. We haven't had much light lately, have we? It's been a dark last winter, not just several weeks. It's just been really dark outside. We have a goldfish pond that's out in our backyard And uh, we go out and look at the the fish. I think Jenny counted 10. Are there 10 of them out there? And I keep talking to Bill, just trying to figure out, uh, making sure that we're going to be able to keep them alive. They're hard to kill. When the freezing, they're hard to kill. Okay, good. That's good to know. When the freezing temperatures come, and he has given us some instructions on how to take care of them. But I noticed the other day when there was like one minute of light, uh, it was coming through, 
and I was uh, outside in the backyard, I think, you know, letting the dogs run around, and I looked, and I saw the light hitting the water. And right there in that light, I saw as many goldfish as would fit in that beam of light. They were just all piled in there. And I'm not sure, but I think they were smiling. (laughs) I think they were like, wow, we've come out of the darkness, we've come out of the depths, and they were warming up and finding security and strength in that light. I don't know about you, but I lately have felt a lot like a goldfish. Whenever we are not walking in the way of light, whenever we're not stepping into the salvation that God has given to us, we are lost and we are in the deep and we're in the dark and we're wandering around trying to find our way. And doesn't that describe so many people? Maybe it describes you. But know the benefits of life, that you can find strength in your life. You can find the warmth of salvation. Think about that. Think about finding the hope and the direction for your life that God has. Well, whenever I would play this game, Pitfall, I I figured out finally that I could never learn it on my own. Uh, My friend Ben had to tell me all the secrets of being able to navigate that trail and to make sure that I was stepping on the right things that were going to get me where I needed to be. And I think that's what we hear from Jesus today. We can't find it on our own. But Jesus points it out for us. This way of salvation that we are invited to follow and to receive. Have you received it? Are you today saved? Let's pray.